both <laughs> Abigails <laughs> on the same day. What at what times? Okay. Ten and five. Well, congratulations. Congratulations. I don't see Julie and Jim. There's Jim. Thank you. Congratulations. A uh, couple uh, announcements. So today, uh, teenagers are having, you might have seen it on the, the slides, having a corn maze activity meeting here at the church at 5. Uh, if you'd like need more information for the teens, uh, see Greg and Susan Elliott. This Saturday, we'll have the annual bonfire out at Troxels in Charlotte. Uh, we'll be doing a hot dog roast uh, early uh, in the uh, early in the day. Starts at noon. Starts at noon. Uh, please bring a dish to pass. As a reminder, please, uh, no uh, nuts. Thank you so much. Sign up is in the foyer. Call to worship. Looking forward to this. Um, Revelations five thirteen, and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever let's stand as we sing and crown him Yeah. 
for me. His praise and glory shall not fail throughout eternity. All hail, Redeemer, hail, for He has died for me. His praise and glory shall not fail throughout eternity. Majesty, Lord of all, let every throne before him fall. The King of kings, O Commodore, our God who reigns forevermore. Majesty, Lord of all, let every throne before him fall. The King of kings, O Commodore, our God who reigns forevermore. Praise God who reigns forevermore. You're the God who reigns grace of God has reached for me and pulled me from the raging sea and I am safe on the solid ground the Lord is my salvation I will not fear when darkness falls his strength will help me scale these walls. I'll see the dawn of the rising sun. The Lord is my salvation. Who is like the Lord our God, strong to save faithful in love? My debt is paid and the victory won. The Lord is my salvation. My hope is hidden in the Lord. He flowers each promise of his word. When winter fades, I know spring will come. Is my salvation. In times of waiting, times of need, when I know loss, when I am weak, I know His grace will renew these days. The Lord is my salvation. like the Lord our God, strong to save faithful in love. My dad 
wonderful memories of that song uh, with David, who was in diapers, walking around the house, unable to talk, but knowing the melody, and um, in his gibberish way, singing, there is a Redeemer. What a wonderful, wonderful truth. What's that? Heard it in the nursery through the speakers. Yeah. Take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 1. For our scripture reading today, it's good to see Diane Helmuth back with us. Welcome back. We can clap, that's okay. Some, some don't know if we should or not, it's okay. Um, the Jerusas had planned to be here today, but Lydia has a fever. Um, and uh, so they're going to, um, hopefully we'll see them sometime this month, we'll let you know. Colossians chapter 1 beginning with verse 15. You follow along in your Bibles as I read. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of whom I, Paul, became a minister. This is God's inspired word. And all of God's people say, Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving Father, thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise him today for his supremacy, creator, ruler, sovereign, reconciler, Lord. Thank you for his incarnation. Without ceasing to be God, he took on the form of a servant, being born as one of us, fully human in every way, except without sin. He became obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. And here we are today, exalting and glorifying him because you raised him from the dead. We pray to you through him who mediates for us, sitting at your right hand. We pray for our church family to know you, Father, deepen our faith, Help us to grasp the height, the depth, the length, the breadth of your love for us in Christ. Help us to walk worthy of our calling in Christ, to be fruitful in every way. 
Grant us patient endurance in life. Give to us a joyful thankfulness. May we be different from those around us because of Christ is in us. He is the hope of glory. We can't do this in our own strength. We need your strength to follow your commands. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. May we walk in the Spirit. Comfort those in our church hurting right now, men's broken hearts. Jesus, you are the wonderful counselor, the man of all sorrows. Continue to give grace to Sheila Edcock and Sue Porter with their loved ones under hospice care. Minister to Cindy Price and her family as they grieve, but not like those who have no hope. Thank you for these two precious granddaughters, for Jim, Julie, Susan, and myself. Help both mothers to recover quickly. Bentonhausen's and Kreps also have had grandchildren recently. May each child come to know you at a young age. Thank you that Jim Gerling was able to come home from the hospital this past week. Continue to heal his body. We pray for Charlie Ann Cecil's parents with COVID. Help them to begin to feel better. Thank you that Diane can be with us today and for her and John's recovery. Would you minister to Courtney Allison in the hospital? Thank you for her testimony. The, the more her body is attacked, the deeper her faith goes with you. Give Scott, her husband, grace as he cares for these four little ones at home and as he pastors a church. Lord, we're thankful for Phil Walroth. These last few months have been very hard on him physically. Give him wisdom as he should, as what he should do. Thank you for his faithfulness here. Minister to him. We pray for the Deruses, for little Lydia to get over this fever. We pray, Lord, that you would keep them all as a family healthy. You can open the door to the Philippines. We submit ourselves to your timetable. Give our friends patience as they wait. We pray for the Bells in Senegal. Thank you that Vesper has no fever the last day or so, but now Lena is sick. Josh and Carissa report that they are exhausted with caring for them, as well as moving from guest house to guest house, looking for an apartment. Just minister to them. Thank you for this car they were able to purchase. Father, we pray to you, the Lord of the harvest, to send laborers. Our rescue mission needs help. Send them the proper staff. Equip these men and women to serve you. Relieve the stress and extra work on the current staff. We pray especially for the Barton family and for Randy. Give him strength. Help Catherine more during this interview process. Give her a calmness and a peace, knowing that you are sovereign over doctors and administrators and boards. You encourage us to knock, and so we're knocking. You tell us to ask, and so we're asking. You tell us to seek, and we are seeking. And so show us Christ today. Show us Christ and all his glory. Open our eyes. May we worship and obey him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray with him.
again to take your Bibles and turn to the passage we read just a little earlier, Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1. 
When Sue and I were dating, we visited her uncle and aunt in Evanston, Illinois. And Uncle John suggested that we see the Baja Temple nearby. And it was impressive. Um, beautiful structure. Um, it was built, began being built in 1921. It was completed in 1951 or 1953, and yet Sue and I, as we went into the building, Sue and I were deeply grieved when we recognized its purpose. And her uncle was a believer. He, he had told us a little bit about it. But the temple is dedicated to all world religions. And as you stand in the center and look around uh, the, the, the walls, you, you have the names of of religious leaders etched in stone, Abraham, Moses, Buddha, Jesus, Muhammad, all equal. Each man was simply another revelation from God. Who is Jesus of Nazareth? Some see him as a Jewish Socrates. Others look upon him as a mystic healer or even today, he is seen as a revolutionary. When it comes to Jesus, is he divine or is he simply another great man? Our text this morning is one of the greatest passages explaining the person and work of Jesus Christ. The tiny Colossian church had visitors that would have felt very comfortable in the Baha Temple. They too felt that Jesus wasn't the only show in town. Um, he didn't have equal billing. Uh, he had equal billing with the other spirits that God had sent into the world. These false teachers in Colossae did not deny the importance of Jesus. They gave him prominence, but not preeminence. And the Apostle Paul writes to refute that. The key to our passage today is the last part of verse 18. Look at it, please. It says that he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he, Christ, might be preeminent. It is crucial that we have a proper understanding about who Jesus is. He is not equal among equals. Oh no, he is much, much more. Here in our text, we find four truths about the person of Jesus Christ. Number one, Jesus is God. He is God. Paul is almost poetic in his praise of Christ. Life only makes sense when Jesus is at the center. Look again at verse 15. He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God. God is a spirit. He's not visible to the human eye. But by seeing Jesus, we see God the Father. Jesus brings God into focus. This word image was used in the first century to describe Caesar's likeness on a coin. Common people never saw the emperor. But they could see his image. They could see his likeness as they looked at a coin. For us today, take out a penny and you'll see the image of Abraham Lincoln. We can't see Mr. Lincoln, 
that we can see what he looked like. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. In Christ, the invisible God became visible. Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. This means that there is no other way to God than through Jesus Christ. He said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. People say, well, Fred, there are many roads that lead to Detroit. True. But God, but man made the roads to Detroit. God made the road to heaven. And God says there's only one way, and that's through Christ. Look again at verse 15. He's not only the image of the invisible God, he is the firstborn of all creation. Now that phrase, firstborn of all creation, has been very controversial throughout church history. Arius was an early church heretic. He saw the word firstborn, meaning that Jesus was born first. He was the first one created. In other words, Jesus was not equal with God. Jesus was created by God. The modern followers of Arius are the Jehovah Witnesses who deny the deity of Christ. But the immediate context refutes that argument. Look at verse 16. For by him all things were created. Wait a second. If Jesus created all things then he couldn't have been created himself. Firstborn does not mean born first. The word refers to rank, not kind. The, the, the term firstborn is a title. Um, Esau was Isaac's firstborn son, but Jacob outranked him. Solomon wasn't David's firstborn son that he was firstborn in his supremacy. God says of the Davidic king, the Messiah, Psalm 89, verse 27, I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. Jesus Christ is eternal. He is God. He is uncreated. He had no beginning. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is God with skin on. God incognito. Jesus is God. Number two, Jesus is the creator. Look again at verse 16. <coughs> Excuse me. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Three truths here. First, Jesus created all things. His creative acts include the microscopic and the cosmic. It includes the physical and the spiritual. The biological and the geological. John 1, 3, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus created all things. Now, if that doesn't blow your minds, look at verse 17. And he is before 
all things, and in him all things hold together. Secondly, Jesus sustains all things. He's not just the creator, he's the operations manager. He's not some detached deity. He is fully engaged with his creation. Everything depends on him for existence. He is the end purpose for all things. Everything is held together by his simple word. Hebrews 1.3, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. In other words, if Jesus decided to let go, the entire universe would disintegrate. Without Jesus, everything would revert back to the nothingness before Genesis 1. Thirdly, Jesus is the head of the church. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. Again, that term, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. This church is the new creation. This speaks of the universal church, the body of Christ, made up of all believers from Pentecost till today. Head signifies he's the ruler, he's the leader. He's the ruler of the church. Beginning refers to being the originator. The church was his creation. The church was not some brainchild of the apostles or some church denominational council. The church was his idea. The church is called throughout the New Testament a kingdom, a building, a vineyard, a family. Here it's called the body, the body of Christ. This reference to the universal church does not minimize the local church. Colossae was the visible manifestation of Christ's church, just like we are here today in Polk. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. And he, God the Father, put all things under his Christ's feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And then we see that word firstborn again. Remember, this doesn't mean kind. It's a title speaking of supremacy. There were several resurrections before Jesus was raised from the dead. So how is Jesus the firstborn from the dead? Well, his resurrection was supreme. He received a glorified body. All the others who had been raised from the dead had to die again. His resurrection is the model for our future resurrection. Jesus said, because I live, you also will live. John 14, 19. Andrew Kuyper was an extraordinary man. I really had not heard much about him until late. Uh, he lived from 1837 to 1920. He was a pastor, he was a journalist, he was a theologian, and he was the prime minister of the Netherlands for five years. And he is famous for this quote, There is no inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign, does not cry, Mine! Mine! It all belongs to him. He is the creator. Number three, Jesus is the reconciler. Look at verse 19. 
For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. We all know about conflict far too well. You're at odds with someone. Reconciliation is the removal of that conflict, the removal of hostility, and the restoring of friendly relations with parties that at one time been at odds. Only Jesus is qualified to reconcile us to God. How? First, reconciliation is necessary because of our sin. Verse 21, And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Sin has ravaged mankind. The Colossians were pagan Gentiles before they came to Christ. They worshipped the Greek gods. They participated in immorality. They were lost. Here the word used as alienated means separated, estranged, an outsider, shut out, locked out. Hostile speaks of being against God, hating God, resenting his standards, rebelling against his commands. Our minds become twisted, distorted in our thinking, which then leads to sinful behavior. Now perhaps you, like me, were saved at a young age. You heard the gospel from childhood. And some struggle with these terms, but nonetheless it is true of you and me. Before Christ, we too were alienated and hostile. Scripture says that we were dead in our sins. You've heard me illustrate it many times. If we had ten corpses up here, and each corpse was in a different state of decay, this corpse at the very end only died a few hours ago. And then this corpse died a day ago, and this corpse a week ago, and down this corpse at the very end died a year ago, and none of them have been embalmed. They're all in different states of decay. But they have one thing in common. They're all dead. It doesn't make any difference if you're a Mother Teresa or you're a terrorist. You're dead in your sins. You're without Christ. You're alienated, hostile. All have sinned. We've not all sinned equally, but we've all sinned. And one sin is worth eternal judgment. Recently in my Christian, now Paul's talking about what these Colossians were, what we were before Christ. But recently in my own Christian walk, I have become more aware of my own propensity to sin. It's not just that I commit acts of sin, but that sin is ever-present within me. We try to rationalize that we're not that bad. But what about the jealousy we feel when we hear of a friend's good news? What about the anxiety we experience when we fail to trust God? What about the lustful thought we entertain by that provocative commercial? 
What about our self-righteousness? How often have we been guilty ourselves of praying the Pharisee's prayer, Lord, I'm thankful I'm not like that person. And worse, what about our pride, which longs to be first, demands our own way, insists on our own rights, craves attention. Oh, dear friends, we are rebels at heart, hiding and concealing our idols. Secondly, reconciliation was possible because of Christ's death. Verse 20 tells us making peace by the blood of his cross. Verse 22, he has reconciled us by his body, in his body of flesh by his death. Now please notice, it was God who took the initiative. God is the one who made the first step to us. It was not we taking the first step to him. Romans 5, verse 8, that God shows his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus' death allows us, as enemies of God, to become God's friends. This peace referred to in verse 20 came through the violent death of Christ. His blood was shed and through the humiliation of crucifixion by dying on a cross. We see hints here of Paul's of Paul attacking the heresy that had been introduced subtly into the church. He talks about his body of flesh by his death. Jesus had a real body. Not he was not some phantom or ghost. The Greek mindset of the day said that the material world was bad, that this body was bad. And so God could not have a physical body. That would have been bad. But Jesus did have a human body, 100% human, and yet was 100% God. John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Thirdly, reconciliation has a glorious purpose. Did you see that in verse 22? In order, the last part, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. This is, speaks of our sanctification. This is our past sanctification. I was saved. My present sanctification, I am being saved. My future sanctification, I will be saved. Jude 24, Christ is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us blameless before his presence with great joy. And this leads to Paul affirming his new friend, verse 23. He says here, if indeed, and, and really we could translate, we should translate that if as since. You find that, just look across the page quickly, chapter 3, verse 1. If then you've been raised. Again, since then you have been raised. It's the idea of since. Since indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you've heard. Paul isn't expressing doubt. He's confident that these believers will finish what God started 
Philippians 1, 6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Finally, reconciliation must be shared. The last part of verse 23, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister, our, our, our servant. The gospel is universal, for God so loved the world. As believers, we are called to share the gospel. Each of us, we're in our own world. We have contact with unbelievers every day. And we're, we're missionaries, we're, we're ministers, we're servants to share that gospel, to build relationships in which we can share Christ. Finally, number four, who is Jesus? He is God. He is the creator. He is the reconciler. And number four, he is Lord. Back to verse 18, that in all things he might be preeminent. The NIV says um, that he, so that in everything he might have the supremacy, the New Living Translation, so he is first in everything. Jesus is Lord. He's supreme. He demands first place. Does he have first place in your life? Does he have first place in your thoughts? Does he have first place in your family? Does he have first place in your relationships? Does he have first place in how you live? He is Lord. Take home truth. Simple. Jesus demands my absolute allegiance. Jesus doesn't want much. He just wants it all. He deserves it all. He is God. He's creator. He's reconciler. He's Lord. Revelation 19.16. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Philippians 2, 9, 10, and 11. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Seeing Christ as who he is protects us from heresy. A solid understanding of Christ is essential for us to stand firm in this evil day. We'll talk more about this later in chapter 2. And because he sustains all things, who better to fix our broken lives than he? And yet, this is far more than a theological dialogue because it should result in Christ-centered worship. Never divorce theology from doxology. Christ is the cause of our celebration. Christ is the cause of our celebration and our adoration. Oh, come, let us adore him. Years ago, I heard Erwin Lutzer, he was the pastor of Moody Church. He said that there was a, a Chicago religious exhibition where all the religions of the world were being displayed. And so he went there. Wow. So he went there. And Pastor Lutzer went from booth to booth, from religion to religion, and he asked this question. 
Do you offer a Savior who can reconcile me to God? Can, can you offer me a Savior who can reconcile me to God? And the universal answer was no, no, you can't do that. Only Jesus Christ can offer reconciliation to God by the peace of the blood of his Son. The question is, have you been reconciled? Have you been reconciled to God through Christ? And if you haven't, the Bible says today is the day. Now is the day to trust Christ. And if you have been reconciled, have you given him your allegiance, your complete allegiance? Let's pray. Father, forgive us of our sins. They are many. Every time we sin, by thought or by deed, we are in essence committing holy treason against you. Thank you for your forgiveness that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Help us to purpose this day, this week, to live lives worthy of the gospel, to give our allegiance to Jesus Christ by how we think and how we behave. Fill us with your spirit. This is impossible for us to do. And so we need your spirit to guide us, to direct us. Help us, Father, to turn our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely.
carry his life in our veins. Jesus, to you we lift our eyes. Jesus, our glory and our prize. We adore you, behold you, our Savior ever true. Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. Turn your eyes to the heavens. Our King will return for his own. Every knee will bow, every tongue. Shout all glory to Jesus alone. Jesus, to you we lift our eyes. Jesus, our glory and our prize. We adore you, behold you, our Savior ever true. We turn our eyes to you, Jesus, to you we lift our eyes, Jesus, our glory and our prize. We adore you, behold you, our Savior ever true, oh Jesus, we turn our eyes to you, oh Jesus, we turn our eyes to you.